millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Alex Kruger, the International Managing Editor of The New Statesman. It's Monday, the 18th of April, and you're listening to World Review from The New Statesman, a twice-weekly international news podcast. Every Monday, we interview a guest for their unique perspective and expertise. Then, later in the week, we come together to unpack some of the most significant stories in world affairs. Today, I'm talking to Olya Hercules, a Ukrainian-born British cookery writer who has found herself becoming an advocate and activist for Ukraine. Since the 24th of February, Ukraine has undergone a cataclysm. We've seen the geopolitics on the screen, but this has also affected tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of Ukrainians in their everyday lives, both within the country and increasingly outside it. Since the 24th of February, 4 million Ukrainians have left the country. That's in addition to 6.5 million who've been displaced inside it. Olya, how much have you slept since the 24th of February? <laughs> Not very much at all, unfortunately. But it's getting better. I think uh, there comes a point where you realise that if you don't make yourself take care of yourself, then you're just not going to be any good for anyone. So I've been trying to do a little bit of self-care recently. What's been the impact on you and your family? It's the most devastating impact that there can be, I think. I don't know if uh, we'll ever be able to go back home. Tell me about your parents. They were in Ukraine, now they're not. Tell me about where they were and how they got to where they are now. So we come from a small town in the Kherson region, which has been occupied by the Russians from day one. And at first, it was okay. They were able to go and protest. In fact, they went pretty much every day. You know, it was evident that the community kind of really got together for the first time in years, which was really like inspiring to see actually, you know, like my dad's farmer friend would distribute flour for free and milk and chefs in Kherson are baking bread and giving it out to, you know, older people. And it's just, it's been inspiring uh, to witness all of that. And then after the first few weeks, they started kidnapping people, journalists, activists, mayors, anyone who's outspoken. Then they started in Kherson shooting at the crowds and, you know, the same things are happening all over the region, which is huge. So that's when I started really insisting on my parents leaving. I kind of offered them to stay, you know, as, as far back as the beginning of January because they were actually here. They actually have a visiting visas anyway for three years and they were here for three weeks and I said, 
why don't you just stay, don't go? And they said, no, why should, why should we be afraid? You know, that was the mood, I think. So after all of the kidnappings, and actually my parents got threats, they got threatened on the phone, they got some phone calls, and uh, they actually kept it from me for a week. And then eventually I found out, and I phoned them, and I had a hysterical, well, I don't know what you call it, a panic attack or whatever it was. But I said that they absolutely must leave because if anything happens to them, then I just won't be able to carry on. And I don't know how my children would be able to carry on or any of our family. And my dad's <laughs> argument, I mean, he's, a, he's very stubborn and he's also an amazing man. So he has um, a factory where he produces farming equipment and he's got 25 people that he pays wages to. And my mom has a little B&B business and she has three employees as well. And his argument was, how can I leave them all? I can't leave them. And then, sorry, wow, didn't expect, this is really emotional. So then after my hysterical kind of <laughs> outburst, uh, I also said, you know, if you leave, I'm going to do my best to help you help your workers. So that's my next mission. So they decided to leave. At first, they were actually thinking of going through Crimea, which I said, no, absolutely no way, don't do it. They take away passports and turn you into a refugee and then you can't leave Russia at all. But they just thought, you know, maybe they can avoid all of the checkpoints, which are numerous, going through Kherson way. Finally, I convinced them not to do that, thankfully, and they decided to go via Kherson, which is about 70 kilometers away from my hometown. And to get to Kherson, it's, uh, you know, about 70 kilometers, so it takes just under an hour uh, normally. And that took close to six hours, I think, because there were about 19 checkpoints just to get to Kherson, Russian or, or the occupiers checkpoints. And the experience was, my mom said that she wasn't scared she just said that the feeling of humiliation was beyond anything that that she ever experienced before. And they lived, they've lived through Soviet Union and there's been enough humiliations throughout their youth. But that was something different. It's just coming to each checkpoint and um, a gunned man questioning you like people that don't know the area, don't know the people, don't know the language, strangers that come in with guns and question you. That was just beyond, you know, but I, I she's really proud and very strong, my mom, but I instructed her, I was like, this has to be the best performance of your life. You have to be just, forget about it, forget about your pride. You just need to be polite and just answer the questions and just get through it. Like, and she did. And she said that there were three types of soldiers there. One type, you know, from the most deprived, from the edges of depravity that you can imagine. Like those people come from, I don't know, a criminal world or a very deprived world. And the, the, the older men, probably from the republics, the Eastern republics, they suspected. And then there were really mere children, like 18 year old boys you know, don't even shave yet, that kind of thing, which was also to her, I think, extremely hard to take in. And then one, there was one man that she found the 
most difficult, who was probably a Russian FSB officer, because he took her passport and he looked at her name in the passport and he looked at her straight in the eyes and he said, what's your name? You know, after he read her name in the passport. So she tells him her name. He asks her, what do you do? You know, all of these questions. And then at the end, and that's when my mom was just like, okay, breathe inside. And he's just like, why are you leaving? My friends also took the journey uh, a couple of days before and a couple of soldiers said, why are you going towards the Nazis? They're, they're shooting there, nobody's shooting here. So it's they, so twisted. They it's, really believe the narrative of denazification then? I don't know if the FSB officer did. I think he was a bit more clued in. I don't know if the others are just completely, you know, it's black and white has just completely switched. It was such a shock to my mum and my mum just said, you know, I'm worried about the shootings, you know, you could hear artillery like literally there, you know what I mean? Like, why are you leaving? Mm, Let me think about this. So they finally made it to the bridge near Kherson and they stood in the queue for about for another six hours and then the Russians turned them around. So one thing, if there were genuine fighting ahead, the Russians did turn the cars around. They didn't let them go through. That's for now. This is the situation for now. I think from what I understand, Kherson region is their like exemplary behavior. They're trying to be the little green men there like in Crimea because they're hoping to take it in that kind of like friendly way, you know, even though there are kidnappings and they're literally shooting at people protesting and and phoning people and saying, if you go protest, we're going to do this, this and this. So it's repressions. It's like quiet repressions for now. But I'm just worried about what will happen if, you know, it's just not even worth thinking about. So they so they were turned around and they stayed in Kherson overnight. Uh, They got shelter from friends of friends. And then the next morning they managed to break through the same route. And they ended up in this other little town. I'd rather not save the route or whatever. And they just said what a difference it was as soon as they got to the Ukrainian checkpoint. It was just everybody was like kissing each other's hands and hugging. And, you know, and it was just volunteers were there helping them to find a place to rest. And tea was given. And it was just like such a nice, when my mom just could breathe again. And then they just drove. My dad, who has suspected Parkinson's as well, I think, you know, that they're, they're 64, like they're, they're pretty strong. But, you know, my, my dad is getting on a little bit. But he heroically drove for five days straight with obviously with little stops here and there to sleep. But yeah, five days they were just driving, 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 driving. And one of the most heartbreaking things that my mom told me when she said about packing everything in their house was... Um, in the, the first day of war, in order to distract herself from her bad kind of thoughts, she was tidying up her house and she looked at it and she was like, oh, it's so nice and tidy. And then she said, and then I imagined some Russian woman coming in and just like marveling at how tidy my, my house is. And then the second thing that she said when, when they were leaving, leaving, that she took the essentials and then she took all of the our family pictures down and all of her embroideries down and some of the smaller ones she actually took with her just in case and then the others she hidden in a safe place you know and it's just something that I don't know that just feels really extra heartbreaking and where are they now are they in Europe 
they're staying at my, I have, I have family living in Germany, so they're going to stay uh, with them for a while. And, you know, my dad is hoping that it will be over in a couple of months. My mom is hoping that they'll be able to return by autumn. And we just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. So well, both of them are extremely strong. And um, my dad is kind of quietly maybe traumatized and my mom is crying, which is a good thing. I keep telling her, keep, keep crying if you want to cry because we need to let all of these feelings out. You've just seen them. You've just come back from yeah, seeing them. Yeah, I've just come back. I decided to fly in and actually make some food because I didn't want them to come into an empty house and fiddle around with these keys. And my dad had been driving for five days, so I flew in ahead of time. I went to the shop. I bought the stuff. I made a huge vat of borscht and a bolognese, bizarrely. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what to make. And the spring salad that we always make in spring, which is... Um, just tomatoes, cucumbers, loads of dill, radishes, and uh, dressed with some yogurt, and it's really nice. Um, so yeah, so I met them. And what was that like, that reunion? Oh, it was incredible. It was, um, yeah, it was a bit, you know, how it is. You, they, they come in, there's this really weird situation where you have to park and get into the garage, so it was a bit like, ah! And then finally, when they got out of the car, we just hugged, yeah, I hugged them very tightly. And because honestly, I didn't know what... When they were refusing to leave, I just, uh, after Butcher, I just didn't know what was going to happen. That must have been terrifying, especially after Butcher. Yeah, it was beyond, it was beyond. I didn't sleep. That those days, I really, I didn't sleep at all. I just couldn't. And your niece also left Ukraine. Yeah. What can you say about that without endangering her safety? She's fine. Well, she wasn't fine. They were in uh, Lviv, actually. She was there with her, with her two older brothers and her mum, while my brother's in Kiev. And, um, you know, Lviv was, was fairly okay, but, you know, they still spent quite a few nights, as long as five, six hours in the bomb shelter, where it's cold and, you know, just a chair. And, yeah, it's not something that a 13-year-old necessarily needs to be going through especially after the two years of the pandemic and the limited schooling and everything and that's she's not the only one so then eventually I convinced my brother I just said listen why the boys can't leave because they're 20 and 22 but I said why why uh, don't you try and get uh, Asia over the border and then I'll, I'll come and collect her and I opened the family scheme visa for her and went to get her what has that process been like? And in general, how is the UK government scheme for Ukrainian refugees working? It's not great. It isn't great. I believe that it should have been either scrapped completely and people should have just been coming in because it's just women and children. Men are not allowed to leave Ukraine. It's literally like the most vulnerable people that are trying to come and see their families and whatever. The only reason, but what mine took about a week. I think the only reason why my visa took that fast to do was because I literally emailed and phoned my MP incessantly and then also messaged her on Twitter a few times insistently. Fair enough, you know, they said, we, we, we are overwhelmed with emails, but I said, okay, but you really need to do this now. And she did. She replied, and then within an hour, I got my visa. Wow. They have is... a lot of power, and peace yeah. have a lot of power. 
Is, but, it, is this what people should do if, if they... Well, I believe so. I mean, you know, there might be an argument, oh, it's because I'm a public figure and I write about this, that this happened. But I had a really good experience with my MP at the time, which was about five years ago. I applied for my mum's visiting visa and she's been coming to see me for 10 years and they refused. They said, oh, she's coming to look after your child, so she's going to be a na- your nanny. I was a single mom. She was coming, yeah, she was coming to help me, but... It's just so inhumane. They didn't give us the visa and that, that was the last time that we could appeal. Then they scrapped that. The Conservative government scrapped any appeal rights. And my mom said, yeah, let's appeal. And we appealed and we won the case. And then six months later, after we won the case, we still didn't have the visa and no response from the Home Office, no letters, anything. And then I emailed David Lammy and literally the next day, he sorted it out, you know, and I, I wasn't a public figure at the time. I was, you know, I had my book out, but it wasn't anything like what it is today. But I just was so impressed and it felt so good and so powerful to be heard that way. And for someone to just go and do I love David Lamy. He's amazing. I really hope that he becomes the prime minister one day. Anyway, so I thought I'll try this MP the situation again, you know. So, well, Lynn Brown did help me. That's why I did, I did urge everyone to right and i did warn that they they might be overwhelmed it's true but just keep trying literally like go to the office physically if you're not being responded to so yeah but my friends are having a different experience with the especially with the homes homes for refugees yeah, yeah the, the the other scheme electronically you know digitally technically the system is flawed the documents keep getting lost people keep getting emails saying we can't process your visa because their passports are not done have biometrics, which is not true. It's just, it's a huge mess. And the thing is that there is a system in place that the, the Home Office has created for leave to remain, an automated system, which from what I've been told could have been easily adapted for this as well. And it could have been a much easier, neater process, but I don't know why it, it didn't get used. So yeah, that's confusing. But there are so many vulnerable people. You know, there's my friend Rachel, who's um, actually getting her Russian teacher in, who lived in Kharkiv. And so she left when she has a four-year-old daughter and they were literally in Kharkiv, you know, where it's bombings every day. And it's like, what do you say? Because when you phone the, the phone line, they just say, we don't have any dates for you. Just wait for the letter. How? What, what plans shall we make? What shall we do, you know? So, yeah, so I, I think I'm going to have to go through this process again and I will report how that goes maybe there are improvements I really hope so and how is your niece adjusting yeah she's you know it's it's just <laughs> I think it's a new situation it's uh, but she's I think she's happy she's in a stable home and you know we're taking good care of her I've applied for that another thing that another hurdle that we have to go through obviously is the I've applied for school, for a local school. Well, actually, you apply for six through your local council. But I don't know, now it's the holidays, so maybe, you know, we'll, we'll see how all that goes after the holidays. But I'm keeping everything crossed that our local school will take her in, the one that my son will go to in a year's time. Because we also have friends there, and there's like a community network that could be very supportive for her and for us. So fingers crossed on that. Wherever you are in the world, if you're interested in global affairs, you can subscribe to The New Statesman in digital, in print or both from as little as one pound a week. 
That's 12 weeks for just £12. That's one euro a week in Europe and just $2 a week in America. Just go to www.newstatesman.com slash podcast offer. From the New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads. The best of our reported features and essays read aloud. Songs are like tattoos, Mitchell said on Blue. Having one written about you is immortality and fiction rolled into one. Featuring writing from our authors, including Kate Mossman on Joni Mitchell's former muse and lover, Jeremy Cliff on his journey through France before this year's presidential election, and Sophie McBain on the refugee crisis. Don't die, he kept shouting. He didn't answer when Mardwe screamed back, Who is dying? Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads. Published every Saturday morning. Just search Audio Long Reads wherever you get your podcasts. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. So many people, certainly in the UK and in other European countries as well, want to do the best they can to help Ukrainians, to help Ukraine. What would you say to them? What is the most useful thing they can do? You know, the British public have been just incredible already. I don't know what I expected. I mean, I don't think there were any expectations because nobody expected the situation to arise, but they have really come through in so many ways and offering shelter and just help, volunteering, donations, you know, they have been amazing. I think going forward, apart from everything that everybody's already doing, one thing that I'm kind of also realising and kind of consolidating within myself that it's extremely important to be politically active for everyone and not just about Ukraine, just about everything. 
I know it might sound kind of like a bit lofty, but we have the power and we need to keep uh, people in check. The governments, all of the governments, all of our governments in the UK, internationally, they have to be kept in check because everything that's happening now in Ukraine and everything that's Putin has achieved. Do you think that, do you think that other countries sort of allowed that to happen? That I think that he's had quite a lot of influence and the whole populism thing, Brexit, everything is interconnected and and me as well you know i'm not blaming anyone i don't think that i have ever been you know i have been a little bit of an observer as well if of course i always voted but that kind of like came just to that you know oh, i vote it's okay my life is all right you know but actually you know i'm not saying that everybody has to become this freedom fighter all of a sudden no you know we still have to like take care of our children and do our stuff but just to take that extra step and whether it's now, whether we're doing protests or emailing our MPs or doing something little, you know, within your community, whether it's to do with Ukraine or not, just like building those communities from within and keeping our local governments in check as well. Like that's something that we really just have to keep in our minds and just change our mindset completely, because I feel like our children's future is at stake. We are wasting all of this precious energy on this horrific, useless, ridiculous war while our, you know, the planet is in such a terrible state. Like, it's just, I just can't comprehend, like, how we got to this state. And I think that, yeah, people just have to kind of rise up a bit. What has that process been like for you personally? Because before this started, you were best known as a cookery writer. And now you have become something of a political activist. Yeah, after the initial shock, uh, when, the, when the wider war happened on the 24th of February, I think something that jolted me into action was literally just talking to my brother on the phone. And no, Your brother is in the territorial defence. Yeah, my brother is in the territorial defence and he literally said, OK, I'm, I can't go. You know, initially he said, oh, I'll go to Lviv with, with the boys. And then he said, no, I can't do that. I need to stay here and I need to defend. And then he video called and he was literally was given this gun and he was wearing his jeans and his trainers and his, you know, like winter coat and no protective gear whatsoever like nothing no helmet no vest nothing at all and when I saw that I just went into I don't know my brain just kind of imploded or exploded and I uh, and I decided that I need to do something and that's when I started kind of raising funds and now we're actually working with a really great foundation I run uh, one of the founders is uh, Giles Dooley who is an amazing war photographer and yeah, so they've been helping us a logistic, in love, sorry, in an administrative way. But yeah, it, I just, I just started this process, and now I can't imagine stopping ever. You know, hopefully when the war finishes, we can just, I can direct my energy towards building, rebuilding, uh, and building up kind of communities within Ukraine, especially where I know people and that the people that can help me, and just to go from within. You can put a plaster on it, but actually, what needs to happen in Ukraine now? is to kind of just bring those communities together and just to help them develop and help them rebuild and help them recover as well. So, you know, maybe it's a crazy dream, but a dream is to open a small 
cookery school in my hometown if we are ever able to return and to provide kind of like free masterclasses or even kind of a course for children that would have just finished school. So instead of going to university, you could do this and learn a skill and also do something that's extremely therapeutic. So I think it would, could help on many levels. Anyway, it's a, it's a dream for now, but hopefully, you know, I'm not going to lose hope. And for British families who are taking in Ukrainian refugees, mm-hmm. what are some of the foods that they should lay in and what that should they be prepared for? Uh, so on my Instagram, I have a very long kind of extensive list. If you look on my Instagram, there's a picture of rye bread and un- underneath it, you'll find kind of like 30 ingredients. But quickly now, I think number one, dill, I, you know, and go to a corner shop and get like a big bunch. Like don't get the plastic, you know, like little flimsy ones. Like it's not going to do it. You need to have a big bunch of dill at home, like a flower bouquet almost. And then also a really good quality creme fraiche or, or sour cream. That smetana is something that we eat a lot. We put it into our tomato sauce to enrich it. And we just add it to borscht. And it's just an ingredient that we really, really love. And then, you know, maybe just some simple things like some crusty bread, some nice cheese and ham, you know, bacon. Because we, we are really big on our lardo in Ukraine, which we call salo. So I think streaky bacon is something that will go down really well. And, you know, once you have, once you look at that long list and get some Ukrainian things, I think also introducing some nice British things would be nice, especially puddings. (laughs) I think British puddings are the best in the world. (laughs) Uh, So like a lovely Victoria sponge or something. Uh, I don't know, sticky toffee pudding. I think it would go down really well, especially with the children. Or custard, banana and custard, you know, something even simple like that would be amazing. And tea. I don't know if maybe things are changing and people ask. My mom is definitely starting to drink tea with milk. But mostly people in Ukraine drink black tea with a slice of lemon and some sugar or honey. So that's just the vibe. So that's how to make people feel welcome. Yeah. Make them a cup of black tea, slice of lemon, bit of honey. Bouquet of dill. <laughs> Bouquet of dill. <laughs> Sorted. Yeah. Olya Hercules, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. If you've enjoyed this episode of World Review, please like, subscribe, rate us, leave us a review and tell your friends. Our producer has been May Robson. Thank you for listening and until next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.